0: Bears fans, we've got a treat for you. Our own Jack Silverstein sat down with the one, the only Patrick Manley to talk through Chicago Bears head coaching decisions and, of course, long snapping. I don't want to delay things any further, so Jack, go ahead and take it away. Okay, so, Pat Manley, Jack Silverstein, we've been talking now on and off uh, on a number of topics for almost a decade, believe it or not. Um I'm getting so- old. Uh, right there with you, right there with you. So I want to start with the 2021 Patrick Manley Award winner, Cal Automitis of uh, Pitt. Yep. He is the first NCAA recognized All-American long snapper, which that's pretty cool. That's just a, another milestone uh, for the for the position. Um Give us the scouting report. I mean, I know you, you and I have talked before about what makes, a, what makes a, uh, a long snapper serviceable and then what makes a long snapper special. Obviously, this kid is special. Give right. me the scouting report. What, what's, what's, the, uh, what's the story?
1: So what's been fun now that we've had this award for three years, I've watched a lot of tape on all these college kids. And like I think we've talked before, they are all so accurate now. They're all really good. So the college game, they don't have to block majority don't have to block so all they really have to do is just focus on snapping and then trying to cover um but all these kids now with all the training shoot they start when they're eight years old nine years old ten years old and they're working on perfecting their craft. but the guys now that have been the finalists for the manly award it's an overall package you've got to snap and then if you protect how can you protect and snap and then the other one is chris rubio came up with it he's the founder of it It's kind of just the mentality, your mentality changes. You actually become a football player after the snap. And that's one thing I loved when I played was after the snap and after blocking somebody, I felt like I became a football player and you get to go down there and make a tackle. So these three finals we had, they were as good, if not better, than all the other snappers as far as just snapping. But then their their protection, a couple of them had to protect. But then just their mentality, how well they snapped. Uh, Big kicks is another thing, you know, the fourth down – Fourth down, all on fourth down uh late in the fourth quarter you know field goals punt snaps game winning snaps like that so it's just the mentality of the whole thing and then cal just was just better than the rest and that's i think that's why he won that's why he won but he just has that mentality where he tr- truly turns into a football player after the snap and he is a fun guy to watch
0: we'll see him on sundays where yeah. do you where do you expect to see him uh in the draft
1: uh Sixth or seventh round, uh, he'll definitely be the one that's drafted. There might be a couple. Uh, Alex Ward, I don't know if he's going to go back to UCF. He was another finalist. Uh, I think he's got a potential to play in the NFL, Uh, but I think Cal's the number one by far, and I think he's going to be the number one on everybody's draft board, so I haven't really looked at who has the need of a long snapper. That can always change. I don't know the contracts, but I think he'll definitely be the number one guy gone, and I think it'd be you know, for being a long snapper, if you're drafting the sixth round, that, that's a reward. That's an awesome thing. So uh, I, I think you'll be a sixth rounder.
0: Great. Okay. So I know that the award is supported by Zebra Technologies and mm-hmm. and, uh, and 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 uh, Bernie's Book Bank. Tell me about what the the two of those organizations are doing to support the award.
1: Well, we'll start. I'll give you kind of the whole story. The background is... Chris Rubio and Kevin Gold came to me and they're really the true founders of the award they came to me and they said listen we need to make a long snapper award for the nation's top college long snapper and I was like heck yes we have to do this it's time all these kids are scholarship kids all 32 teams in the NFL have one so it's a true position and they said well we want to name it the Manley award I was like oh okay all right that's really <laughs> cool but <laughs> enough of that let's talk about how do we get this thing done and we talked to the people at the Maxwell Awards that run all the Home Depot Awards with all the other, you know, positional awards there. And one of the things you have to have is a charitable component to it. So my dumbass, I'm sitting there at a charity event, golf outing, and I've met Darren Mutnick, who's the CEO, and Brian Florianis, who's the founder of Bernie's Book Bank, and I'm at their golf outing. And I'm talking to them over a beer about the Manley Award moving forward, what we need to get done, and they're just looking at me like, "Mm-hmm, uh-huh. yeah. You're looking at one right now and then finally the light bulb goes off my head i'm like wait a minute what are we what about if we team up um so we did and they have really helped facilitate this award to be where it is where they'll be hosted at their facility Um, in bernie's book bank real quick is a uh they supply books for underserved youth in the chicagoland area where they get a bag of uh, eight to twelve books i think it's eight books right now um And it's just to see these kids' faces light up, too, when you go on these book distributions. That's the most rewarding thing. So it's an honor to be teamed up with them. And then now, uh, with Zebra Technologies coming in, it's even a better sponsor. It's just a great, perfect little marriage here that, you know, they they do all the NFL tracking of all the players. So like Jakeen Grant's touchdown the other day talks about how fast they ran, how far they ran, all that stuff, ball placement. Uh, So it's kind of a cool little marriage because they're behind the scenes, and you, they bring up stats that people don't really know and this we want to be as a long snapper be behind the scenes and we never want to be known <laughs> so it's it's a neat marriage but it's cool that they're involved with football they do a lot of other things you know scans and barcodes work with hospitals you know the wristbands for the hospitals that make sure you're the you know the, the proper patient and getting the right things done but uh, they're just a perfect marriage I really look forward to working with them together and I think with us Bernie's book bank and zebra we, we've got a really bright future and I look forward to the Future winners to be coming back to Chicago because when they come in for our ceremony, we go down and do this book distribution. Um, We went down to the Hope School in in Chicago just a couple weeks ago now, or last week, and just had a great time with the kids delivering the books. And uh, just one real quick story about delivering these books to the kids. Yeah, Darren, you you CEO, go. You know, you go into the classrooms, you give them their nice bag of books, the Bernie's bag, and all that kind of stuff. And young young girl opens up a book and she's like, "Oh my God, how did you know?" He's like, what are you talking about? He goes, I asked Santa Claus for the Trolls book. How did you guys know? How did he know? And he just said, he's like, you know, starting to cry. He's like, oh my gosh, this, that's how moving it is for these kids. And they love to change exchange books and take them home and read them to their brothers and sisters. And so it's just been a really neat marriage with all of us. And we really appreciate Zebra being the presenting sponsor and and, and helping you know, really make all this happen because without them, you, you know, you, you need somebody for help, and they're helping a lot. So it's been great.
0: That's that's awesome. It's been it's been cool to see all this attention on this position. And I I, I remember that um, was it during the national championship game last year. The broadcast gave Thomas Fletcher yep. a pretty extensive mm-hmm. shout out. Um, and you know, I've learned obviously with the George <laughs> Berman story, I've learned quite yep. a bit about long snapping um in the past year so uh yeah it's been it's been cool to watch
1: well it's been awesome for you to help promote it and give us the backstory of where i got to learn from you as well so i appreciate all the work you did and all the research and the people you talked to i know that had to be fun but that's still time and effort and work so i really appreciate that for all that you've done because when you wrote that story that just shot through the long snapping community and did I'm it like, really like there is a long snapping community like yeah all they, they Rubio is making it and he just you know just emails or texts are going hey did you see this article did you see this article and so it's been really neat to uh, for you to help spread the word about you know long snapping and the history of long snapping which is which is a neat story if you're a football nerd they need to get their hands on it because it's a really cool story
0: yeah definitely that's uh that's the story of George Berman check it out at Windy City Gridiron um, all right we're talking special teams this is pretty significant Devin Hester is a semifinalist. for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And I looked at some numbers. I think it was since um, 2000. Everyone who gets to the semifinalist stage in their first year has gone to the Hall of Fame with the exception of six guys, and all those six guys are on the ballot right now. They're all, like, newer guys. Mm -hmm. Um, Are you hearing any talk in NFL circles about voters changing their tune on specialists. I know, that, I know that Pompey, I know he's written about, he's going to be pushing for them, yeah. uh, for, excuse me, for him, for Devin. Do you hear anything from voters or inside NFL talks about, yeah, Devin is the guy and he should go in to say nothing of Billy White Shoes Johnson and right. Mel Gray right. and Dante yeah. Hall and Josh Cribs and uh, Rick Upchurch. I mean, he shouldn't be the only one, but do you hear any, Brian Mitchell, do you hear anything yeah. about about that
1: I don't I hear just more of coaches I thought Chris Tabor had a great line the other day you other know, Bears special teams coach when he got interviewed about Devin and and just he deserves to go in but I haven't heard anything I hope we start hearing more but um, it was an honor to play with that guy and, and, and my opinion is if you change the game which he did and not just the game in general but every game he played mm-hmm. he's a hall of famer I mean it's just you could, you know, I got lucky to play to Brian Urlacher, who's a first ballot Hall of Famer. To me, he's at that level of, of what they were asked to do on the football field. He played at that level.
0: At what point did you think to yourself watching Devin,
1: hmm.
0: oh, wow, yeah, this guy's a Hall of Famer, because there there, there aren't any return specialists. There's Dale Sayers, but also, obviously, a, you know, a Hall of Fame running back. You've got Deion Sanders, who's also a Hall of Fame corner. You've got Rod Woodson, who's also a Hall of Fame safety. You've got older guys, you know, Bears, George McAfee. But you don't have any just he's a return Hall of Famer. Right. Was there a point at which you said, oh, this guy's not just a flash in the pan. This guy has a legacy, and he's going to be or should be in Canton.
1: I'll give three examples, and it starts from game one when he <laughs> on against Green Bay. Yep. Um, that's when you, you, you saw his college highlights we saw his speed and his ability in camp and all that kind of stuff but in that first game you're like he just returned one in his first game Holy blank you know then you keep going and he's doing these amazing things and then the um, I think it just came up the other day the, um, the Rams game where he had the two kickoff returns for a touchdown yep. and one of them was on the hands team you know right. they, they were there for an onside kick they, the hands team, they don't block anybody, right? And that just, he just ran through like that, That you know, that that was like, oh my God, he just did that. And that's the second one of the game. And then finally the Minnesota game up at Minnesota where we played, had to play outdoors. I think that's where he broke the record. Yeah. I was like, that seals it. That just seals it. I mean, it just, you know, his whole career just kind of took off. And yeah, there was some, some lull in there, but that's another testament to him that he never let him get him down. He had the belief that he would be back and he did. And he just had a career where, he was great all the time. And the other thing, Jack, is how hard he worked. When he first got there, Dave Toad was hard on him. There's a little bit of a, I'm not, this is not sliding Devin, but I also think times for players, it also helps when you come into the right situation, the right coach, the right program, uh, the right mindset of loving with defense special teams, that kind of thing. But Devin worked his tail off. He spent more time out there catching off the jugs working on left foot, you know, whatever it was to make sure he was as good as he was as, as his craft. Obviously his God gift ability of being able to move and run, but he went out there and worked on catching everything, working on, you know, moving left, super, you know, all that just stuff. It just, how hard he worked in his relationship with Dave Tobe and how that worked together where they could communicate with each other, talk about how much more work he needed. Uh, there were times where Devin, you could tell, like, come on, Dave, really? I gotta go back over there. It's two degrees outside. And Dave would be like, "No, let's go over here. Make sure because this game's going to be the nine degrees game against the Cowboys. We need to make sure you're ready to go." And Devin like, "All right, Coach, I respect you. Let's go get to work." And he's already pretty much the greatest of all time, and he's still putting in all that effort to make sure that he was that great at his craft. And I just I respect him a lot for that—not just ability, his ability, but how hard he worked on it.
0: Yeah, and and you said it—the peaks and valleys. And he's got peaks that are other guys' entire careers. Guys who we talk about, as, as when you say, you know, when I talk about Devin, of course there are other people who say, oh, but what about Dante Hall? Or, you know, what about Mel Gray? And I'm like, yeah, it shouldn't just be one guy. I mean, let's get them all. But, uh, but when you look at some of these other careers, their career is one of Devin's peaks. Yes. They're, it's like, what he did, Justin '06 or Justin '07, and then he came back 10, 11, and then he had those years 13, 14. I think he in both years he led the NFL in kick return yeah. total kick return yards. Yeah, is like any one of those is a Hall of Fame peak for a number yeah. of other returners.
1: Yeah, I, I just I think his career speaks for itself. I really do, and I think uh, the understanding now of hidden yardage, yard, me, yardage in football. You know what he did to the game, not just by Field, not fielding punts, you know what I mean, by punters kicking it out of bounds and shaking one 31 yards, 25 yards. And I think if you – I would like to go back and look at punters' net against Devin Hester. Yeah. How much he took out, like, just a return yard or just what their net was of shakes. You know what I mean, how much that changes 15, 20 yards of the field. And that's 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 him not even touching the ball. That's just his presence on the field. And I think that's what – that's what screams to me he's a first-ballot Hall of Famer because he changed the game so much.
0: Have you ever looked at Chris Cluey's history yeah. of tweets about Devin? Yes. They're, they are – All the time. <laughs> oh, my goodness. They are so funny. They're they're a combination of, like, they're funny. They're deeply insightful. Yes. There's just deep frustration,
1: mm-hmm.
0: exacerbation, and, and and just he throws his hands up at a certain point as well. It It's like the whole experience –
1: I, no, because I, he's, hes he was a very good punter, very, very good punter. Right. But there was something in his head. There was, I call it that little hook ball where he might be looking to put it outside the right numbers. Yeah. But he just misses it, and it hooks right down to the middle of the field, and the hang time is like four seconds, 3-8 or something, and then Devin just catches it, and he's got that 20 yards to go, and I, I've i seen that too often from Chris. I don't know if it was a mental block, and that's what I'm talking about. Some of these punters, you know, they're just shaking it to the right 20 yards, and they hit that little hook ball, and they hit that hook ball, That's when everybody's like, oh, here goes Devin. Here it goes. There's a little 3-8 punt going 40 yards right in the middle of the field. He's going to take it. And he did. He did quite a bit.
0: Um, Dave Tobe. Yeah. Are we going to see this man as a head coach?
1: I think he should be. And, uh, you know, we talked about – or there was, you know, knowing that we were going to talk about Dave, and I thought about it more, and I've always said this. The man can command a room. To me, that's what a head coach has to do. I saw it in Chicago for all the years I was with him there. I got a chance to go out to Kansas City and sit in on a special teams meeting. He commands a room, and that's a room of everybody, right? Everybody talks about the special teams coaches, coaches, linebackers, everybody. Coaches O-linemen on, on field goal team, D-linemen on uh, field goal block team. And the respect everybody had for him and how hard they played for him. that speaks volumes. And then thinking about them, you know, head coach can be a head coach, but I've seen some good head coaches, and they don't surround themselves with good assistants. Good assistants are just as important as the head coach, in my opinion. You have to have talented coaches, and we're seeing that right now in Chicago. We're lacking in some of those positions and key positions. But what I think now, what would separate Dave from other coaches, he's been around the league for a long time. He's worked with a lot of great coaches. He is friends with a lot of you know big time people that could help him fill a staff with talent. And I think that's what you want to do as a head coach. You need that talent around you, and I think Dave could do that. He's worked with Jim Harbaugh. I mean, uh, John Harbaugh, you know, Andy Reid, obviously. And then all these years uh, in the NFL, knowing all these people that have come and gone through Kansas City, through Chicago, with Lovey, Bob Babby, all these people that he's coached with, they would be very helpful with him to find a great staff. And I think that's what Dave could do, not only be the great leader and the head coach, but he can also build himself a good staff. And then the final thing is most special teams coaches are your situational coaches that help your head coach. And I'm talking about two minutes, you know, all that kind of stuff that that everybody's breaking down now on Twitter and calling everybody out about, like Brandon Staley going forward on fourth down last night. Dave is excellent at that, and I think he would be a very good hood coach. And that's, those are the three things, I think, that uh, the reasons why I think he should be on the sideline.
0: You told me something a few years ago when we did our long piece uh, for Windy City Gridiron that the stars of the defense wanted to be on special teams, and that part of the reason was that they wanted to – they wanted to block for Devin. but listen, we saw them out there on the field goal block uh, yep. when when Nate Bash had his return mm-hmm. against the 49ers. What was Dave Tobe able to do to get these Pro Bowlers and All Pros? Right. We're talking Brian Peanut, Lance, Alex, Alex Brown, Brown, Alex Brown. Brown blocking field
1: goals so again. Yeah, it was the, Peppers. It was the,
0: yes. What Hunt Hunter killing people? Yep. What What yep. was he able to do that made these defensive players want to take? Yet another snap. It
1: mm-hmm. was the standard he set in that room, and and it's just the way he coached. He was very honest. Some guys after meetings would be like, "Man, I can't believe he just said that to whoever." Like he would rip on Hunter. He would rip on anybody. They weren't giving effort, doing the right thing. He was very honest, and he wasn't. That's the thing. He was always honest. He called out what he saw. He never got on guys and kept carrying on them and degrading them. But the guys respected his coaching ability. And then that standard in that room was we are going to be the best every year. And he carried him, He carried himself that way in every meeting uh, on the practice field. He did everything, all the, the details. But it was just a standard he set for those guys. And I think a lot of those guys, the defensive <laughs> players, saw the effort we gave on special teams. How good Devin was. How good guys blocked for him on punt return. Um, Brad Maynard, Robbie Gold. You know the, the the effort we had on punt team covering. Uh, Brendan Iamadeja was the leader of that, right? Yeah, Tim Shaw is another leader of that. We had a bunch of guys in there. Corey there. Graham.
0: Corey, Corey Graham. Graham made a pro I bowl. I
1: forgot. I'm sorry, Corey. Yeah. Graham. No doubt. Like that's so we had those guys in there that were alpha dogs in the NFL as special teams players, and that standard was so high that you know the defensive guys came in, and were like, wait a minute, we can't embarrass ourselves. These guys are out here playing this hard, and we get to play on a you know a play with them. Let's go get it.
0: Yep. All right. We see you guys tweet about this Bears team. Mm-hmm. Good and bad. Yep. Right now, right now it's back. Yep. Um, I see you tweet about him. Charles Olin certainly does not mm-hmm. hold back. Lance doesn't hold back. Um, you know, Jerry is just super passionate. Yep. Um, trying to think of who else I, I see mixing it up on Twitter. I don't know, Donaje a little bit. But a lot, a lot of you guys, and, and you're honest on mm-hmm. Twitter. What are the group chats like? What are the phone calls like? What are you guys right now talking about when you talk about this Bears play?
1: Every Everything we tweet. That's what I think is pretty cool, that we have a pretty special group that played in that locker room. When I got to play there for however long I got to play there, and then we care. We care that much, and I think what we're trying to do is share our voice to to, to, to Hallis Hall to say, listen, this isn't good enough. Something needs to change, and you guys need to – talking about a standard, you guys need to build a higher standard. Um, and it's just frustrating. And I get, I get, I'd say right now that I'm sad because you had a change in 2012. You had a change in 2014. You had a change in 2017. We're going to have another change. That's, that's embarrassing for an organization. So something's going on and we just, I, I, all of us don't like it. We we can't stand that we wore the Chicago Bears uniform and to watch what they're doing now and just the way it's going about and just the management to the coaching, to the lack of players, to the drafting, to it, it, it just – it hurts. Honestly, it hurts to watch that on Sunday. And then, obviously, I've got to do the pre- and post-game. And right. always my joke that, really? <sighs> we're already at this point with five, six games to go in the season? So it just hurts to not be able to talk positive about your team. But right. I don't know if we're trying to affect anything. I just think we want to give the fans a perspective of of honesty of what we see and, and what we feel. And I just – that's what's neat about Chicago, too, is that we feel connected still to the fans, That that, that Twitter gives you that – yeah, platform to get there but um i think we're all in this together as fans and players and i always say this i'll finish with this one about this um when you when you lose man the fans get on you hard, and it sucks like you know you hear the guys talking about the booing fireman he sucks but when you win it's twice as good the passion is awesome i mean you're you're the king of the town the whole the whole city feels better everybody wants to get up and go to work on monday they, they're so excited for the next sunday and that's what's great about the city. And I think that's why we all say what we say, because we want it to be back to that level and be sustained success, not just 05, 06, 10. We want, like, every year, let's be fighting for the playoffs and, and make this organization great. And I just, I, I think that's what's going on. But that, that we're just all being honest, is what it is. And that's what we talk about.
0: Got it. We know that Coach Nagy is, he's probably out. Yeah. Um, I, I would think. But, gosh, you never know. I would think that Ryan Pace is out. Adam Hove just wrote an interesting piece about why maybe that's not going to be the case. But the big question, the big symbolic domino is Ted Phillips. Yeah. What do players think about Ted Phillips? What kind of interaction do you have as a player with Ted Phillips? Mm-hmm. Ted Phillips was the numbers guy who they brought into the front office in 93 when the NFL added its salary cap to run that. And then he got bumped up again because he negotiated the Soldier Field lease. And now, you know, we were all so frustrated and angry in January. And he's one of the four guys who's speaking on behalf of the team, despite the fact that he's allegedly not a football guy. What kind of interaction do players have with Ted Phillips?
1: I I had a lot, and I still call him a friend because I spent so many years there. And I've had a lot of conversations, lunches with him, whatever it is. But (laughs) I'll end with... Uh, just, it's frustrating to see the man who is who is in charge. He's in charge. I mean, he really. I mean, he makes football decisions, right? He hired Phil Emery with, you know, he he makes the football decisions. He's involved. They say he's not maybe day to day, but they still have meetings once a week with the head coach and GM, right? So mm-hmm. he's still involved. But if you take his record as team president, it's not good enough. It's that simple. If I'm an owner of anything else, and I had an employee that that was their record of how they, it, this this business is two things, right? It's money and wins and losses. To me as an owner, it's wins and losses. I don't, Maybe they don't feel that way. I think maybe they prioritize money, and maybe that's why Ted Phillips is still here, because he's done a great job business-wise. Getting the stadium done, getting Hallis Hall done, helping facilitate this new thing with Arlington Heights. So if that's their priority, then sh- he's done a hell of a job. But if I'm an owner, it's about wins and losses. It should be all about wins and losses. The NFL, you're going to make your money. Anybody can make money right now in the NFL. Um, So if you if you put that out there, wins and losses and he's the team president, it's not good enough. It's just just that simple that um, something needs to change. You're just not doing your job well enough in that arena of wins and losses.
0: Uh, Last thing, is there a GM you want to see in Hallis Hall? Is there a head coach you want to see?
1: Well, we went through that one already with Chris Ballard, Bruce Arians. I mean, all these people that have been there. Um, I haven't honestly broken down who I would like right now. Obviously, October, I think would be great. Yeah. Uh, but my question is, how much change has really happened? Are they going to bring in a a, a a new team president kind of guy that's more of a football operations guy? So I, I don't know. I, I don't have any names. I don't okay. I really don't have any names. I, I I would just be throwing stuff out there and I got to do a little bit more research to make sure I can talk more on the radio going forward. But it's time to start doing that because change, I think, is, is definitely going to happen.
0: So what Ted would stay, but he just needs to not be, it seems like he has a great deal of value to the business, but he just shouldn't be involved right. in hiring a GM.
1: I, okay. I, I think he's been there long enough. How old is he? I don't even know how old he is. But um, I, I, if, you're, if you're George and you really want to make a difference, and the one guy you need to get rid of, I mean, that's the one constant that's always been there. Right. If you truly really want to make a difference, just say, hey, man, it's time for you to retire. We'll put you on the board, something like that, and we're just going to get you out of the building every day, and you're not making decisions. And that's – that's the true change. If you really want to make a change, that's the one thing you've got to make. Ted Phillips. Yeah, I, I really think that. And it's, you know, like I said, he's a friend of mine, but it's just, it hasn't worked since yeah. he's been ahead of what since 19, 1990, whatever. It was. Yeah, so it just hasn't 99. worked. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, that's it. I appreciate your time. How are you feeling right now? Good. Good.
1: About- Physically, everything oh, feeling everything good? good. Yeah, I had my hip replaced in February. That was the greatest thing I've done. Okay. I'm actually about to go golf here in about an hour so.
0: (laughs) Good. All right. Well, Pat, awesome to speak with you as always. I really appreciate it.
1: You bet. We'll see you.
0: All righty.